Thanks, Johnny. <clears throat> we are starting a little series um, just over the summer in, in the Psalms. Uh, a few of the Psalms we're going to look at, 42 to 46, Songs for the Soul. Um, and Psalms are amazing. I, someone kind of described the Psalms as both words to us, it's God's word to us, to instruct us, to reveal God to us, but they're also words for us. They're words that we can use in our response to God. They are words to us and words for us. They are songs for our souls. Let me pray uh, before we come to uh, Psalm 42 and 43. Gracious God, we, are, we have heard your offer to give us life-giving water, to quench our thirst, to fill our hunger, and Father, as we come to your word now, as we dwell, as we contemplate, as we think about the truths that we find here, especially as we think about you, we will find that our thirst is quenched and our hunger is filled when our eyes are set upon you and upon your son, the Lord Jesus. Pray us in his name. Amen. Um, now, I've been uh, learning uh, the ukulele. For, for a while. feels like I've been learning the ukulele for hundreds of years, actually. But been, now and again, I'll pick it up and I'll, I'll strum away. Um, and if you've ever tried learning the ukulele, then you'll know that there's one song that you've, you've got to play. Uh, it was, it was, I think it was what the ukulele was made for, this one song, Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Um, lovely song, lovely song, fun song, nice words, very, very sweet words. Let me read a couple of them to you. Uh, and the dreams that you dare to dream really do come true. It's great, isn't it? I'll strum along. You can imagine me singing that. Someday I'll wish upon a star and wake up where the clouds are far behind me. Brilliant. Clouds are gone. A place where your dreams come true, where the clouds of misery and chaos part and the sun is shining brightly. And here's the thing. Sometimes, sometimes we can make Christianity sound a little bit like that, can't we? Put your trust in Jesus. Well, then all your dreams will come true. You'll find the answer to the deepest longings of your heart. You'll find satisfaction and joy and happiness. Or put your trust in Jesus and the clouds will end up far behind you. The sun will break through and it'll be like living always in, in the warm sun, not the turmoil of a storm. And you know, wonderfully, there is something true about that. Jesus really is the answer to the deepest longings of our hearts. He really does offer us living water that, that will quench our thirst. Life with Jesus, it really can feel sunnier. But then in the day to day, in the trenches of life, it's not always how it feels, is it? Listen to the opening words of our psalm. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, God. My soul thirsts for God. So what the psalmist is saying, the psalmist is feeling thirsty. Like the brown grass outside, his soul is parched. And the person who wrote this psalm, he's not someone who's, who's a seeker looking for God for the first time. He's not some kind of young Christian who's still trying to work out what it all means. No, we're told who the psalmist is. It's there in the kind of title for the director of music, a mascal of the sons of Korah. Okay, the sons of Korah, they were priests. 
chosen by David, King David, to lead worship in the temple, to write music and songs for God's people to sing. In some ways, they were like pastors and elders and church leaders of the day. Yes, Jesus really is the fulfillment of the deepest desires of our hearts, but the Christian can still feel parched. Life with Jesus really can feel sunnier, but our souls can still be in turmoil. Christians still feel thirsty and parched. Let's think about that. First of all, the thirsty soul feels. The thirsty soul feels. Listen again to the psalmist's opening words. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Now, I I suspect that some of us hear that and, and think, I know exactly what the psalmist is on about. I know what it is to thirst for God, to feel distant from God, to long for an experience of his closeness and his smile and his assurance. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for God. Maybe that's how you're feeling this morning. But then others hear that, panting and thirsting for God, and think, just sounds a little bit over the top. Now, of course, we're all going to express ourselves differently. Some of us are more expressive than others. Panting and thirsting might not be the first words you would use to describe your relationship with God. And, you know, it's okay. It's okay that we're not all kind of emotionally charged. There is room in the kingdom of God for the kind of emotionally constrained amongst us. But here's the thing, if you feel no recognition whatsoever of what the psalmist is talking about, if, if you're happy talking about doctrine and ideas and theology, if you don't, you don't mind church and sermons and singing, but you don't know what it is for your heart to ache for the Lord, then look, if you take nothing else away from this morning, then pray. Pray and ask the Spirit to grow in your heart a greater affection for Christ. Ask the Spirit to shine Jesus more brightly before you so that your heart is filled with joy and wonder at the living God. My soul thirsts for God. We need to have some identity with that feeling as Christians. So the psalmist is thirsty for God. His soul is panting for the Lord. And that means his soul at that moment is feeling distant and overwhelmed. So his soul feels distant from God. Look at verse 3. My tears have been my food day and night. While people say to me all day long, where is your God? We, We get something similar in verse 10. My bones suffer mortal agony and my phones taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Other people are looking at the psalmist, listening to the psalmist, and they are noticing something. Maybe his life has taken a turn for the worst. Maybe it's because he's in exile, away from the land of God's people and away from the temple. And they look at the misery of the circumstances of the psalmist and they say, where is your God? And the sad thing is, 
the psalmist agrees with them. He feels abandoned by God. So verse 9, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? The thirsty soul feels abandoned. It feels distant from God. Where is your God? Why have you forgotten me, Lord? There can be all sorts of reasons why the Lord might feel distant from us. You know, it could be sin. We ignore the word of God. We disobey his commands. We choose lust and anger and greed. And so we experience God as distant because we are openly disobeying him. It could be sickness. It could be broken bodies or broken minds when we find ourselves crying out, Lord, where are you in all of this? could be broken dreams and, and disappointments, a struggling marriage, heartbreak, loneliness. And we feel something of what the psalmist is feeling. Have you forgotten me, Lord? Where are you? For the psalmist, he felt distant from God because he couldn't get to the temple. He couldn't meet with God's people. And we, we can know something of that as well, can't we? We're going to say more of this later on. But, but miss church miss gathering with God's people miss hearing his voice and singing his praises and you will begin to feel distant from the Lord the thirsty soul feels distant where is your God Lord have you forgotten me the second thing the thirsty soul feels is is overwhelmed Listen to verse 5. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? That word disturbed, it means roaring or turmoil. Three times the psalmist describes a soul like that. A soul in turmoil, a soul that is roaring. You get the same idea in verse 7. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. I remember my parents, they upgraded our bathroom years ago and they, uh, they put in a power shower. Uh, first time I'd experienced a power shower. I had a little pump so the water came out super quick. And uh, it was very quick. Like the, the pressure of the water almost pushed you to the other side uh, of the shower. It kind of actually hurt when you stood under the water. But then stand at the bottom of a waterfall, and, and, and that is on another level. It is loud. This constant, endless stream of water pushing you down, pouring over you. That is how the soul of the psalmist feels. You know, when we think about someone struggling in life, maybe with the, the depression or, or feeling spiritually dry, we, we assume it means that there is a deadness in their heart and emptiness. But actually, it can be the opposite, can't it? The thirsty soul isn't quiet. It isn't empty. It is roaring. It is loud with thoughts and questions and fears and doubts tumbling on top of you one after another, overwhelming you. I sat in a seminar once with a pastor who was talking about his own struggles with spiritual dryness and, and depression. Uh, and he said the overwhelming feeling he had in those moments, it wasn't emptiness or, or, or deadness. It was restlessness. 
thoughts piling in, a kind of a constant hissing of arguments and questions and doubts. He said it was as if his mind was filled with that kind of white noise, that static, constantly buzzing. His soul was roaring. Maybe you know something of that. You try and pray. You try and sleep. But your mind cannot settle. Your soul is in turmoil. Doubts and arguments and questions, they tumble through your mind and you can't control them. It's like being at the bottom of a waterfall. You feel overwhelmed. Well, that might mean that like the psalmist, your soul is thirsty. The thirsty soul, it feels distant from the Lord and it feels overwhelmed. So what do you do? What do you do when your soul is thirsty? Well, secondly, the thirsty soul, it acts. It acts. You know, I just asked, didn't I, William, what should you do if your soul feels thirsty? What should you do? But is that the right question? Because in those moments, you don't think you can do anything, do you? The negative and, and doubting thoughts are raging through your head and you can't stop them. The, the sense of dread or despondency, despondency it slowly it grows in your heart and it doesn't feel as if there's anything you can do to stop it. I, I know something of that feeling. You feel kind of helpless in those moments. But what I love about this psalm is that it does give us a way forward. A, a way that does feel doable when you're in those moments. See, first, the soul acts, and it acts by crying out, crying out to God. The first place the psalmist goes with his doubts and his questions and his disappointments about God is to God himself. Verse 9, why have you forgotten me, Lord? Chapter 43, verse 2, why have you rejected me, Lord? And this is where we must always start. Take your questions and your doubts and your disappointments with the Lord. Take them to him. Even if the most you can manage is, is why, Lord? Well, take that to him. He is big enough to hear your complaints. He is big enough to hear your questions and your doubts. Cry out to the Lord. Lord, hear me. Lord, help me. And if you can manage anything more than that, well then secondly, remember. The thirsty soul remembers. Listen to verse 4. I'm sorry we're all over the place, but I think that's kind of how the psalm is written. But, but listen to verse 4. These things I remember. We get something similar in verse 6. Therefore, I remember. When God feels distant, what, what, what can you do? You can look back. You can remember. Look back to those sweeter times when you knew the closeness of God. Look back to times when you could see clear answers to prayer. Or look back to your baptism. When the Lord said to you, you are mine and I am yours. Look back to the cross. The moment in history when God shouted as loud as he could. I love you. I will never abandon you. When God feels distant, you cry out, but then if you can, look back 
to the times when God felt closer. And thirdly, if you can manage anything else, hope, look forward to a time when God will be close again. It's a refrain, it comes up three times. Verse five, the psalmist says to his soul, put your hope in God, for for I will yet praise him. That's the hope, looking forward. I will yet praise him again. The darkness won't last forever. Your soul won't always feel thirsty. Don't give in to despair. Yes, it's hard in those moments. Yes, you feel overwhelmed, but don't give in to despair. I will yet praise him. Hope. You will know the smile of the Lord again and his closeness. So what does the thirsty soul do? Well, it cries out to the Lord. It looks back and it looks forward. But just before we get to our final point, there is something quite specific that the psalmist looks back to and looks forward to. Have a listen to to Psalm 42, verse 4. When he remembers, what is it that he remembers especially? These things I remember, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. He remembers the closeness of God when he gathered with God's people in the temple. That's what he's looking back to. And that's where his hope lies as well coming before the Lord in his temple. So Psalm 43, verse three, send me your light and your faithful care. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God, my joy and my delight. I will praise you with the lyre, O God, my God. That's what he's hoping for, to be gathered again before the Lord with God's people. If our souls are thirsty and we long to feel the closeness of God again, then the psalmist reminds us of something incredibly precious. There is one place we can be sure to meet with God. There is one time, one moment in the week when we know that God will be there to comfort and to assure and to convince us of his presence. Of course, it is true that God is everywhere, that wherever we are, we we can reach out to God. He can hear our prayers and respond and assure us of his presence, but there is only one place where he has promised he will be. Now, look, I've I've hit 40, and uh, I didn't realize this, but when you hit 40, you you, you get an invitation from the GP for your 40-year kind of checkup. Um, I've not managed to have that yet, actually. I think I'm still clinging on to my 30s a little bit. But I, I was thinking, imagine if I said, well, you know, I, I've not made this appointment. I don't really need to make this appointment because I might bump into my GP in town and we, and we can kind of have a, a conversation and arrange something that way. And, and it could happen, couldn't it? It could be possible. You're walking in town, you bump into your GP, and I think it's very unlikely. But it could happen, and you could organize your appointment. But if I phone up, and make an appointment, then I know for sure where my GP will be and when they will be there. See, so it is with us and God. We can meet with God anywhere. It's possible to meet with God up St. Cat's Hill. But there is a time and a place when God has made an appointment to meet with us. 
In the Old Testament, it was the temple. That's what the psalmist was longing for, to return to God's temple, the dwelling place of God. But for us, it is every Sunday when we come together in the name of the Lord Jesus. The writers of the Hebrews describes Sunday church like this. When you come to church, you come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem. You come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. You come to God, the judge of all, to the spirit of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus himself. That is what we do when we gather on a Sunday. You know, we're about to take communion, aren't we? Share the bread and the wine, but we use the word communion. Who are we communing with? Who are we fellowshipping with? Well, yes, it's one another, but even more, it's with the Lord Jesus himself. By his spirit, for those who have faith, as we eat and drink, he is present with us to confirm his love and his grace and his goodness. You know, I know that when your soul is thirsty, when you're feeling spiritually distant from the Lord, that the last thing you probably want to do is come to church. And yet, it is the one place you can be sure that the Lord will be present to meet with you, to come alongside you, and to assure your heart of his love and his presence. So is your soul thirsty? Or cry out. I think we can all do that. If you can manage more, then remember. Look back to those sweeter times. And if you can manage more, then hope. Look forward. You will praise him again. And above all, keep coming Sunday by Sunday to church. Here we go, finally. The thirsty soul never gives up. You see, what, what if you've tried all that? And you're still thirsty in your soul for the Lord. You've cried out, you've remembered, you've hoped, you've made it to church, but still your soul pants for the living God. What do you do then? You don't give up. Psalm 42 and 43, it's really one psalm. It's split into three kind of cycles, three movements. When it was read, maybe you heard the refrain that the psalmist keeps coming back to. We've mentioned it once or twice. Verse 5, three times says this. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. The psalmist says the same in 42 verse 11 and 43 verse 5. And, and there's this pattern. At the start of each cycle, he is downcast. My soul is thirsty. My God is distant. And then he remembers the blessing of the past. But then in verse 5, his soul is downcast again. And so he goes again. He starts up again. 42 verse 6, he remembers again. And then those same feelings of abandonment flood in upon him. And so 42 verse 11, why my soul are you downcast? He, you see what he's doing? He's trying. He's trying to find his way back to God, trying to end the inner turmoil, trying to convince his heart that his God has not abandoned him, but it's not working. Why, my soul, are you downcast? And maybe 
this is happening over a period of days or a period of weeks or, or months. He cries out. He remembers. He hopes. And there are glimmers of light, moments when he feels the, the closeness of God again, but then the feelings of distance and turmoil flood back in. It'd be tempting, wouldn't it, that after that you'd think, well, just give up. Pack it all in. I have sought the Lord, but he is not there. But the thirsty soul never gives up. Look what the psalmist does, 43 verse 1. Vindicate me, my God. Plead my cause. Rescue me. Send me your light and your faithful care. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. He goes again. The thirsty soul is determined. It doesn't stop crying out to God. It doesn't stop pleading with the Lord, hear me, vindicate me, rescue me, come to me. Send me your light and your faithful care. Bring me back into your presence. The thirsty soul never gives up. There's almost something desperate, isn't there, in the psalmist cries. That the panting after the Lord, like a deer desperate for water, the, the pleading, rescue me, come to me. It's almost as if he's saying, bless me, Lord, or, or I die, or life isn't worth living. We were looking at Genesis, weren't we, last, I don't know when it was, a while back anyway, in the mornings, and thinking about the life of Jacob. And, and it kind of reminds me that, uh, of Jacob, this psalm. He, he spends his whole life seeking God's blessing, but looking for it in all the wrong places and all the wrong ways. And then he meets the Lord, this divine figure, and they wrestle. And Jacob refuses to let go of this divine figure. And he says to the Lord, I will not let go unless you bless me. He grips hold. And he pleads, bless me. Something of that here, isn't it? The thirsty soul never gives up. It pleads and it wrestles with God. Lord, I will not stop crying out to you until you bless me with the deep assurance that you are with me. That you love me that you have a place for me in your family. Bless me, Lord, please. A thirsty soul, it never gives up. Keep on crying out. Keep on looking back. Keep on hoping. Keep on coming to church. And look, just as we finish, I want to, this is important to know, I want to know one thing. Even when our soul is thirsty, the Lord is not far from us. You know, I, I, I get that the way that we've talked about this, it could sound as though God is deliberately distant, deliberately making it hard for us to, to know him. That is not the case. In, in verse 8 of, chapter, of Psalm 42, the psalmist has this moment of realization where the, that the light breaks through. He writes, By day the Lord directs his love at night, his song is with me. He's in the midst of this despair and this, this turmoil and this sense of abandonment. The psalmist knows the Lord is not hiding from him. Day and night, the Lord continues to send his love. I guess it's a little bit like fog, isn't it? You, you know, if you're out on a boat, the fog comes in. The land is there. You know it's there, but you can't see it. But it's still there. 
And for us, sometimes the fog of suffering and sickness and sin hides the Lord from view. And it's when we cry out, and it's when we look back and remember, it's when we hope, and it's when we come to church, it's then that the fog can begin to lift so that we see what was always there. The Lord standing beside us with arms open, smiling upon us, surrounding us with his love. He is not distant from you. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, you know the state of each of our hearts this morning. You will know that some here, some of us will be feeling exactly what this psalmist feels. Distant from you, downcast, overwhelmed. Father, please shine brightly into their hearts. Please convince them of the truth that you are with them and that you love them deeply. And for those of us who feel like we are walking in sunshine at the moment, help us to take on board what we have heard so that when those moments of darkness come, when the fog rolls in, then we would cry out. We would look back and we would look forward and we'd come Sunday by Sunday. We'd never give up seeking the joy of your face again. Father, by your spirit, help us. Help us to respond just how this psalmist has to those moments of hardness and difficulty. In Jesus' name, amen.